When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. What's a Padawan? Must be the money, boy! Huh? Oh, mama! The best in college football. The best in college sports. This is College Sports Now. Your inside look at the biggest games from around the nation. Here's Stephen Hartzell and Roddy Jones. All right, week three is in the rearview mirror. We're going to be talking about it for the next 60 minutes or so. We got Roddy Jones with us from the ACC Network. Uh, Roddy, did you get enough sleep last night, man? Because I know you're a diehard Falcons fan, and, you know, they were on primetime TV, and I was like, look, buddy, don't don't stay up too late partying watching your birds because we got a show to do in the morning. Uh, did you get enough rest? You all Dirty right? Bird's got a big win, man, so that I'm, I'm running on the adrenaline of the Battle of the Birds being won by the, the good guys. You're running the on Atlanta the adrenaline Falcons. of a three-interception Matt Ryan performance? Uh, well, well, no, no, no. I'm running off the adrenaline of a 54-yard touchdown. Julio taking it to the house. That was an that was a 12-yard bubble screen that he threw. Julio did all the work, bro. I hate to break it to you. I didn't say anything about Matt Ryan, did I? I said Julio taking it to the house. But you know what they say, Stephen? There is no room on the stat sheet for comments and commentary. It looks like a 54-yard pass, no matter how far you throw it and how far the guy runs, but Julio took it to the house. I actually haven't heard that before. Um, Here's the thing. What are you guys going to do on that shiny new ACC network this week? Because there's only two ranked teams uh, in the top 25. Do you adopt Notre Dame for this week before they get housed by Georgia? How how does that work exactly? There have only been two ranked teams in each iteration of the AP poll. Uh, uh, So thank you very much for that. Um, look, it, it was a tough weekend for the league. There's no two ways about it. Um, I think that the, the, the teams that you had questions about, uh, you know, how good are they when you, when you look at a Boston college losing to Kansas, uh, when you look at Virginia tech and how their game against Furman went, um, you, you, you certainly had those, did not have those those questions answered in terms of how good they are. Maybe you did. Maybe maybe they're just not very good. Uh, the the fact that Syracuse loses to Clemson that was going to happen. The the manner with which it happened was probably a little embarrassing for Syracuse, but Clemson's Clemson. I mean that's that's a different beast. Uh, everything else in the league's kind of like eh, I mean it's a mixed bag. But you y- you focus on the good and you acknowledge the bad. It wasn't a great wasn't not a great weekend for the ACC by any stretch of the imagination. Let's talk about the number one Tigers going up to the Dome. Uh, here's what I'm going to say, and this isn't very nice. All right, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm usually a, a more positive person on a Monday, but I'm just kind of feeling it, so let's just get this out there. Tommy yeah. DeVito ain't it. That, 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 I mean, look, 
this was an offense last year that was a, I mean, it was a Ferrari. This thing was, it was like a, a Porsche. It was humming, my man. This year, it feels like, uh, what do you think? Like an El Camino? Like a Pinto? El Camino is a sweet like car. A, a, Pinto Dodge, is, a Dodge yeah. Neon that's like got like 250,000 miles oh, on it? Like man. one of those Geo like, uh, hatchbacks? What do you think, Roddy? I mean, like what was your first car? I mean, just a dog. Because that's Pon- what Syracuse's offense is right now, man. Mine was an 04 Pontiac Grand Am. And, and, and look, this is a Syracuse offense that is uh, still finding its footing. Let's just say that. They had a bad week against uh, – the, the offense actually didn't have a terrible week against Maryland. Um, Tommy DeVito's interception certainly hurt him. They had a fumble from Tommy DeVito that hurt him as well. And then that thing got out of hand. So, so it's kind of tough to judge based on the Maryland game because Maryland was so good on offense that day. Uh, and, and apparently it was just that day because they go and lay an egg at Temple. Mm. But to judge what Tommy DeVito is against this Clemson – defense is you you can't do that you can't do that you got to give the guy some time because really we've only seen him have one games game and that's the liberty game where it was a full game of what an offense will look like the entire time you got so far behind against maryland that you had to do some things and he actually threw for 330 71 percent of his passes completed against maryland so that's a point where they had to air it out now he had the two turnovers of course but they had to air it out and he had some success to judge Tommy DeVito against this Clemson defense based on what he did against this Clemson defense isn't fair. We didn't do that to Kellen Mond. It's not fair to do that to Tommy DeVito. All right, fine. Note to self uh, for the athletic administrators and the brass up at Syracuse, you know, the, the Harvard of Central New York. Next time you're booking a homecoming opponent, yeah, don't may, do it maybe that. you don't book Clemson. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. that's, you know, it was a fire drill at the Carrier Dome, you know, early stages of the third quarter because it was just the romp was on. But, but I think what they did is they wanted to create an atmosphere for that Clemson game. They knew it was going to be a big atmosphere um, anyway because Clemson's coming to town. They're probably going to be ranked number one. There was a potential, had they won, that there was going to be some other things going on around it, college game day. They didn't take care of their side of, uh, their side of the business. But, but putting homecoming on that day is really just to get a big crowd for homecoming. It's, it's a, it's a fundraising event. You know, people are going to be in town for Clemson. You pack the house with it. It had nothing to do with marking Clemson down as like, this is our homecoming game. It's going to be a statement win. That's purely a business decision. So again, you know, you got to kind of forgive them for that. It does poke the bear a little bit though. Poke the tiger. Can't poke the tiger. Uh, Speaking of homecoming, I was just checking the schedule. No, Georgia Tech did not book the Citadel for homecoming uh, this past Saturday, but uh, that's 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 coming up against Pittsburgh in November. Uh, Yeah. The Dell, baby. How about that? The Dell rolling down to the flats and and taking care of... uh, uh, I'm sorry, Roddy. There's no words. I'm sorry. That's, that's That's not how you draw it up. That's the ultimate troll job when a triple option offense run by the Citadel comes to Georgia Tech and beats the new look Yellow Jackets at the triple option. That's that is the ultimate troll, right? Like you've got to at least look back and be like, "Tip of the cap to you, Citadel. Tip of the cap to you." It's 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 the cruel irony of uh, of the entire thing. And and look, Georgia Tech came out afterwards, and I I look at um, obviously I pay attention to what the coaches say after the game and what the reaction is and all that stuff. And and and. To be honest with you, the stuff coming out of Georgia Tech is just a little concerning. You know, we overlooked the Citadels, the players said it, and then the whole thing at the end with the referees and the timeout and the clock running or not running, it, like all of it just concerns me. Uh, and I get that this is a major rebuild. Losing to the Citadel is never acceptable, man. Especially, like, like look, I, I said it before we came on uh, to Cerber. Georgia Tech going down to the wire with the Citadel, and Virginia Tech uh, being kind of back and forth with Furman, those two things are not created equally. Furman is a team that's probably going to win the Southern Conference. They're a team that's going to win a couple of games, if not go really far in the FCS playoffs, yes. with, a, with a quarterback that a lot of people in this league would love to have, a running back that a lot of people in this league would love to have, a receiver that a lot of people in this league would love to have. The Citadel is a mediocre at best, mediocre at best, FCS football team. They were 0-2 coming in with losses to, uh, get this, the Towson Tigers. Oh, yeah. And the mighty Phoenixes of Elon. I think Phoenix is plural, so I apologize. The mighty Phoenix of Elon. 
So uh, those two things are not created equally. And then they go and they beat Georgia Tech. So the, again, Furman, really good football team. FCS, yes, I get the whole Virginia Tech thing going down the wire with them. Uh, that's that's it's it's not a good look, but that's a good Furman team. This is not a good Citadel team. Uh, speaking of the fight in Phoenix, you know where they are for Week Four, by the way. Uh, they wait. They visit Rowdy. BB&T Field for the undefeated Demon Deacons. I texted Roddy Jones a picture on a Friday night. Uh, it was actually late Friday afternoon because the game kicked at 6 o'clock Eastern time. UNC at Wake Forest, little Friday night lights action in Winston-Salem. We had an outing. Uh, your boy went, stayed for a half. and um, How'd you stay for a half of that game? It was a great football game. It was a great football game for a half, and then your boy left. But here's the thing. There are three undefeated teams in the ACC. Wake Forest is one of them. The defending national champion Clemson Tigers are one of them. And you've got Virginia, which is now a top 20 team, Roddy. I know you don't keep up with the AP poll, and nor should you because it's meaningless. Uh, Actually, I misspoke. They're ranked 21st. But still, Virginia comes from behind to beat Florida State. Wake Forest handles their business against North Carolina. You know, the ACC right now is, um, you know, it's Clemson and a bunch of other dudes. That's that's what it is, but that's okay. I mean, it's very very good at the top. It's just it's a little underwhelming in uh, in early September, mid September. But um, you know, maybe we kind of saw this coming, right? Yeah, uh, yes, we did see it coming. We knew no one was going to touch Clemson, and I think to think that anybody was is fooling yourself. I mean, there's there's really no team in the country right now that that. That touches Clemson. Let's be honest. Forty-four to sixteen would suggest that no one can touch Clemson until proven otherwise. So, when you look at at this conference as compared to other conferences, it, it's it's obviously very hard to compare apples to apples. But when you go and you lay an egg at West Virginia, when you go when you have Kansas and that's NC State, obviously, when you have Kansas go to Boston College and absolutely dominate Boston College on the ground, a Boston College team that looked. Uh, inept tackling the football and extremely slow. Uh, th- this is not a Boston College team that I'm saying is slow, but they looked slow against against Kansas because Kansas just ran circles around them. You can't give up an 82-yard run in a two-minute situation right before halftime. You not ideal. Play. No, not not ideal. No. It's not how you draw it up. But, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's Clemson and it's everybody else. Um, not unlike, you know... I don't think that's that's that much different from other leagues. The issue with the ACC is that the really good teams after Clemson are not the name brands because the really good teams after Clemson are Virginia, Wake Forest. Uh, the jury's still out on Miami, but I think they're going to end up being a pretty good team. But they're not the type of team that you're going to talk about in a college football playoff scenario. So uh, they're not the name brand. So it's it's you know the, the league is going to continue to fly under the radar. Speaking of leagues that are flying under the radar, the Pac-12, which gets made fun of quite a bit, uh, at least based on recent performance, uh, they have six teams ranked in the top 25. Arizona State goes on the road, beats Michigan State in a game that was, I mean, look, if if you like offense, that wasn't the game for you. But down the stretch, it got pretty entertaining with uh, with Herm and company. But Arizona State's 3-0. Cal is 3-0. They're ranked in the top 25. The Bears of Cal are ranked in the top 25. I mean, wrap your head that? around that. It's crazy. Just, Justin Wilcox and the job that he has done there. I mean, that dude can coach his behind off. He can. And they go to Oxford this weekend, which is going to be an interesting game. Just culturally, you, I mean, pick a pick a more entertaining <laughs> game than Cal at Oxford only, uh, taking on Ole Miss. That's a that fun That game one. will only be interesting culturally. Well, there will just, be nothing else interesting about I mean, Cal's game. defensive secondary is... It's it's entertainment television. If you haven't watched these guys get after it on defense, uh, it's it is incredible because they flipped the script from a team that used to hang fifty on you. Uh, I want to ask you about some of these non-conference matchups from the weekend. We had a couple of interesting results. BYU beat Southern Cal in overtime, thirty to twenty-seven. That was an interesting game. Keaton Slovis kind of showed his youth a little bit, throwing three picks on the road, hostile environment. All of a sudden, Kalani Sataki's won two games in a row. Kalani Sataki. And them boys. Well, it's just, I mean, that was the team when they lost to Utah. You're like, ah, they're 0-1. They got to go to Tennessee. They host Southern Cal. This could get out of hand. Nah, nah. Now they're 2-1. and 
and um, they looked really good against Southern Cal. Yeah, I, I, and coming into this year, I thought BYU was going to be a good football team. Zach Wilson started as a true freshman last year, comes back this year, and he has continued to improve. Uh, the, the question was, could they be good enough running the football to, to be able to support him? And, and I think you saw with Tyson Williams, uh, the fact that, that he was you know, he had almost 100 yards in that game. Uh, and this defense was going to be good. They play solid defense just about every season at BYU. And if you get people in Provo, I mean, this is, this is a team that's a borderline top 25 team. I mean, that game came down to the wire. And, and you mentioned uh, Kevon Slovis with the three picks. That, that's certainly uh, – you, you're not going to win a lot of football games on the road against a good football team in that situation. Any takeaways from Oklahoma, UCLA? I mean, it, it was a beatdown. We all knew it would be 48-14, but you talked about, you know, rebuilding jobs earlier when when referencing a couple of programs in the ACC. It, it, it is very clear uh, that Chip Kelly's rebuilding job in UCLA is, is I, I don't even know if it's really, I know technically it started, Roddy, but I mean, they've got a long way to go because those two programs, it's like, it's like ships passing in the night. You've got one offensive guru on one side, and then you've got a former offensive guru on the other. Ooh, and it's just, fired. it's just, it, no, but let, let's be honest. I mean, UCLA's offense right now, it, it, like we were talking about Tommy DeVito earlier, it, it ain't it. It's not there yet. It, yeah. it, it's a ways away from what we've got at Oklahoma where it is just, it's rolling. Well, I, I, this is kind of like what I said with Clemson and, and Syracuse and Tommy DeVito in that defense. Oklahoma's defense is not Clemson's defense, but to judge uh, this this team, this UCLA team, based on what they did against Oklahoma isn't fair, and to compare them to what Oklahoma is isn't fair. I mean, Dorian Thompson-Robinson is a, is a – we're still waiting for him to show uh, the consistency at his potential – to be the guy you know last year I think you saw flashes of him being a special player in Chip Kelly's offense haven't quite gotten there yet uh and the fact that they allowed Jalen Hurts to run rough shot over him it's not a big surprise I mean this is I don't know if UCLA could stop me and you on defense but uh, the the rebuild job for people who are getting upset with Chip Kelly that was a program that was not exactly on stable footing when he got the job we knew it was going to be a tough rebuild They've got a tough schedule to start off the season. I mean, Cincinnati is certainly no slouch. And then they got uh, San Diego State, who's a very good football team coming up. Um, or, or they went down there and played them. Then they uh, obviously played Oklahoma. That's a tough start to the year. And, and they get Washington State next week up in Pullman. I mean, that's an L. Uh, the, the, the wins are hard to find. Um and this is already too much time that we should have spent talking about UCLA because, because we, I mean, what were the expectations? We didn't expect them to be any good this year. So I'm not that surprised that they're off to an 0-3 start, and they're going to continue to struggle. Let's just be honest. Cyhawk, Iowa, Iowa State was a game that took in real time about like seven days, hours. Right? Yeah, I mean, it, it was supposed to kick at four. We had two lightning delays. It didn't end until the sun went down. Uh, in my neck of the woods, well after the sun went down, in fact. But uh, any takeaways from Iowa's 18-17 win over the Clones? Well, they turned it into a Big Ten game. Um, they turned it into one of those games that was kind of dirty. These games are hard to play in, by the way. Uh, the, the games that are delayed and the games that 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 kind of have that go differently than than you expect them from a timetable standpoint. I mean, that's it's a it's tough to get back up and play. Well, those take games. me behind the scenes there, Roddy. I mean, you've been a player recently, and this lightning delay thing is a relatively, I don't want to say recent phenomenon, but you know, player safety and you know, we live in a libelous society, and God forbid somebody gets struck by lightning. I mean, this is a this is a, a recent trend in college sports where when there's lightning in the area, we just have to put everything on pause and in some cases never even resume a game. Yeah. Uh, it's hard because you go in a locker room and you, you, you're trying to stay in the same mindset that you had going into the game. You know, you're trying to focus, but there's only so many times you can go back over like the game plan and make adjustments. We had a long lightning delay, almost a three hour lightning delay at Florida state once and, and, Coach, the coaches would come in and they'd draw up some stuff on stuff that they would do. And you do that for like 45 minutes, uh, maybe like, and they're in and out and you're, you know, you're trying to stay focused. You're listening to your music on the headphones and stuff like that. And then after that, you're just like, what are we going to do now? So you get up and you stretch a little bit. The cards start to come out. Like it's, you can't stay focused that whole time. You can't stay in game mode that whole time. 
So it's easy to kind of it, it, and then it's hard to get ramped back up because you don't go through a full pregame. They try and do as much as they can to get you warm back up. And then once you start playing football, it can take some time to get back into it. So the consistency of Iowa during this game, you know, just constantly churning, it's constantly keeping it close. They get the field goal early. They get a field goal in the second quarter. They get a field goal in the third quarter. And then in the fourth, uh, they eventually they eventually uh, get a touchdown, miss the extra point, and get a field goal there too. But it was just it was just a consistency of Iowa. This is a really good Iowa football team, and they know how to win. They go on the road and they beat Iowa State, and, and it, it kind of feels like one of those one of those situations where um, you know Iowa is the is the big brother, and big brother just finds a way to get around little brother every once in a while. Yeah, Matt Campbell is uh, an exceptional coach, and Iowa State was ranked preseason in the top twenty five for the first time in almost forty years. Having said that, he has never beaten his in-state rival. He has yet to beat Iowa, and that is much like we talk about it in November with the Apple Cup, right? Washington State and Washington. Cougars yeah, have, a, have a good team. they got a nice season going. They just yep. can't get past their in-state rival. That's been Iowa State. Uh, the Hawkeyes have won the last five meetings head-to-head between these two schools. And, yeah, Brock Purdy and that Iowa State offense just – and they just couldn't get it going. I mean, their lone touchdown in the first half came on a flea flicker. So yeah. it's just, it's been smoking mirrors and uh, give Kirk Ferentz credit. I mean, that guy, by the way, you know, Kirk Ferentz is like one of the top 10 highest paid coaches in college football. Yeah, absolutely. And he deserves to be. He does. It's just, when you're looking at the list of guys, you, you just, Kirk Ferentz is just that sleepy under the radar guy because he's been in Iowa City for I think twenty one seasons or something yeah. crazy like yep. that. Yep. But 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 look what he's done there. I mean that's a team that is a consistently really good team, and then every once in a while, every five years or so, they'll catch fire and win eleven or twelve games. And and one of these years, Iowa is going to be one. I was going to look up at the end of the year, and they're going to be in the Big Ten championship game against an I an Ohio State. They're going to upset them, and we're going to be talking about Iowa as a potential college football playoff team. I don't know when it happens, but one of these years it's going to happen because he's always got them knocking on the door. And by the way, like we look at Iowa as a team that doesn't have any talent. They've got two guys in the trenches. When you look at uh, Tristan Wirfs and you look at A.J. Epinesa, that's an offensive tackle, defensive end, those two guys have the potential to both be top ten picks just off of what they are coming into the season with, body types and positions they play. Absolutely. You could have two Iowa guys go in the first round for the second year in a row. Uh, 20, 2015 was that year. Uh, you've got, uh, you had a 12 and 0 Iowa team. They, they lost to Michigan state in the big 10 championship game and they got yeah, smoked they by that Stanford game. in the Rose, but yeah, yeah. Well. it happens. Uh, somebody has got to win the West. Speaking of the uh, big 10 West, uh, that, that Nebraska bet that I made with you about nine wins and, Loser has to do karaoke. Mm-hmm. It, it may come down to the uh, the Iowa game on uh, November 29th, the day after Thanksgiving. Iowa at Nebraska. Might be for all the marbles, Roddy. Might you, be for all you, the marbles. You think it's going to come down to that one? I hope so. Okay. Okay. I mean, selfishly, I, I, I certainly hope so. Nebraska, way to take care of your business against Northern Illinois because you didn't do that two years ago. But uh, way to take care of your business. Get to two and one. Yeah, okay. Hopefully it comes down to that one. I saw across the ticker today that uh, Illinois is giving away free tickets for the uh, Nebraska game coming into uh, Nebraska comes to Champaign this weekend. And uh, the Illini are just they're giving away free tickets, not like, you know, UCLA. We made fun of them because they were giving season ticket holders extra tickets for the uh, Oklahoma game. That's a different story. The Rose Bowl holds like ninety eight thousand people. Yeah, it holds a million people. Right. But uh, Illinois is like, you want to come to the game? Come on. We got you. <laughs> You're going to take advantage of it? Nah, I got to work Saturday. Okay. But, okay, um, okay. You know, I would like to support my my Huskers at some point this season since I got a lot riding on that game. Um, <laughs> Do you? Well, just in terms of, you know, moral. Oh, yeah, singing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, man, you just I, I told you last week, just start warming up the pipes. Just start warming them up. I'm not going to tell you that, hey, you know, Nebraska's there's no way, no how, no shot, because there's obviously a shot. It's college football. We saw what happened last weekend. Nebraska could run the table. But history would suggest that uh, you can start warming up those pipes right about now. I'm feeling less and less good about the Ohio (laughs) State game uh, in late September based on what the Buckeyes are doing offensively with Justin Fields. I know it was Indiana, but still. Can we we check? Can we check? can we check what Steven drinks on a on a morning and morning in morning out basis? Because 
if you were ever feeling good about Nebraska against Ohio State, it's something going on there, man. I'm not Look, a lot. It was obviously it was an upset special. Okay, I, I said you can't watch make an out. Upset special before the season starts. Sure, you can. The best upset specials are picked in August. Everyone knows this. Okay. When you can look into the flames and predict the future. Yep. But uh, I'm just saying, I feel less and less good about it because Ohio State's offense with this Justin Fields guy. Um, oh yeah. By the way, J.K. Dobbins is pretty good at football too. They're rolling right now. They so are. What, you, they what are, you're telling me is that you're now seeing what everybody else saw in the flames before the season. Correct. Yes. <laughs> I like to play the contrarian, Roddy. You haven't, you haven't figured that out by now? Every now and then no. I like to go oppo. Look, man, the, I, I understand. There's some places where you can't go oppo. You don't go oppo on Clemson. You don't go oppo on Bama. You don't go oppo on Ohio State. That's the secret behind the oppo. Mm. Boring, though. Yeah. I'll tell you who you go oppo on. Always go oppo on. You can go oppo on Michigan because you're always going to be right. You can go oppo on... Oklahoma, because, you know, they're going to drop one every once in a while. You just do it enough times, and you're going to get lucky. You go oppo on anybody in the Pac-12 because, I mean, it's a Pac-12. You go oppo on anybody in the ACC other than Clemson. Sure. Yeah, yeah. that's where you go oppo. By the way, let's talk – let's let's save the Michigan talk for for a little bit later in the show because peeking ahead to Saturday's slate, we didn't have any top 25 matchups this past weekend. We've got quite a few on deck Saturday, including Michigan as an underdog in Camp Randall taking on Wisconsin. That's going to be fun. Let's save that for a little bit later, though. We'll peek ahead to what's coming up this weekend. One more non-conference matchup that I need to get your thoughts on from this past weekend. UCF and Stanford. Oh, okay. that's that's not where I thought you were going. Well, here's the thing. UCF, we knew going into this game, that it was going to be, you know, the, 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 a Super Bowl of sorts for, for the Knights. You finally get a Power 5 team at your place. The game hasn't been canceled because of a hurricane. It's happening. The game is happening. Stanford is traveling cross-country to play in your building. And, man, I'm telling you, early on, UCF looked like they got shot out of a cannon. It was 21 nothing, Roddy, in the blink of an eye. Oh, yeah. I mean, they put it on Stanford. And, look, I know this isn't the best Stanford team we've ever seen. I mean, this offense is tough to watch, even with KJ Costello back from concussion. But man, you got to give UCF credit. They came out, they made a statement. And even late in that game, they were trying to hang 50 on Stanford, ended up fumbling it. Stanford took it back for a defensive touchdown. But I mean, they were pouring it on the Cardinal. So hats off to UCF. They made a big time statement on Saturday. Uh, yeah, I, we don't know how good Stanford is. Um, they're one and two. I mean, they're, they're, they may not be very good at all, but they, I mean, they lost to USC at USC and then they have to go cross country and lose to UCF. So, so this team could be better than what they've shown early in the season. That's a tough couple of games to go play, uh, especially when you have to go cross country, the, the UCF statement. I mean, they did what they needed to do to have the conversation that we inevitably have every year when they're undefeated at the end of the year. Uh, is this team good enough to be considered as one of the potential college football playoff teams? Now, they have not played yet the best team that they will play on their schedule. UCF has not. Uh, they got Cincinnati coming at the beginning of uh, at the beginning of October. That Cincinnati team is the best team on their schedule. And I think you saw what Cincinnati did uh, week one to UCLA, and then obviously they got blanked by Ohio State. But I think that's more an Ohio State thing than a Cincinnati thing. The fact that UCF. Uh, started the way they did tells you that they were highly motivated and also they made the Stanford defense look we talked about a slow defense earlier like UCF looked really fast and this is what we came to expect we didn't see as much of it last year but but two years ago I mean this was a it was a was a UCF team that was operating on all cylinders with Scott Frost and his last season there and looked faster than everybody every single time they took the field it's a little bit of hit and miss last year with the new coaching staff but this year, they look like they're hitting on all cylinders. And how about the performance of Brandon Wimbush at quarterback? I mean, you have not only – excuse me, Dylan Gabriel at quarterback. You have not only your your starting quarterback, Mackenzie Milton, go down for the year, uh, but uh, then you're able to, to, over the course of the year, work in a Brandon Wimbush at the beginning of the season, and then Dylan Gabriel comes in and does what he did last uh, last game as well. So – uh, just incredibly impressive from this UCF def- uh, UCF offense, this UCF team, and there's nobody happier on the planet than than UCF's athletic director Danny White having a Power Five team coming into uh, the bounce house and leaving 
going back across country with that L. Look, Gabriel's a true freshman, right? I, I yeah. mean, he's I mean he's a he's a, he's from Hawaii, but which by the way is pr- producing some pretty good college quarterbacks these days. But I mean, yeah, you've got him on the roster. You've got Wimbush, who's the, the 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 grad transfer from Notre Dame. You still got Dariel Mack, who I think's out with an injury, obviously. Yeah, you but- had McKenzie Milton and Dariel Mack go down. Uh, in McKenzie, obviously, last year, Dariel Mack went down in the off season, and then you have uh, have Brandon Wimbush step up, and and then this kid, Dylan Gabriel. It's amazing. By the way, UCF at Pittsburgh Saturday. Does that does that do anything for you? I mean, do we do we put the Knights on upset alert? What was your boy Pat Narduzzi thinking late in that game against Penn State? By the way, so so uh, I, and I don't know. He was he had a very fiery explanation. Penn State's down on the one yard line um, with fourth and one, an opportunity to tie the football game. It's seventeen ten. It's in the fourth quarter. Where it's yep. not like and there's like five minutes left in the fourth quarter. Yeah, four we're starting, left. To, starting to get late in the game. Yeah, and he opts to kick the field goal. Well, uh, look. I guess his thought process is we got to have two scores to win the game. Let's get one of them now, and, and we'll see about the other one. Um, I, I don't, I don't agree with the call. You got to go for it. Um, they had, you know, they had Penn State backed up a couple of times earlier in the game, and they gave up big runs uh, for Penn State to get out of there. But you can't say, hey, look, if we don't get this, we're never going to get an opportunity. You're, you're basically in the same situation where if you, you, you need a touchdown either way. So you either get the touchdown there and then try for the field goal later on if you're trying to win the game uh, as opposed to tying it, or you kick the field goal and you still need a touchdown to win the game and you have no opportunity to tie it. So I I, I look at it and I, I look at it as a situation, and I think you saw this with Georgia Tech too, um, where a coach just kind of got caught up and made a, made a mistake. And coaches do that. I mean, we saw North Carolina week one take a knee on fourth down, and that was a certain coaching giving South Carolina an opportunity to, to, to have a couple shots at the end zone. That was certainly a coaching mistake. And this one, I think I think it was a, a coaching mistake by Pat Narduzzi, and I think if he had it back, obviously when you miss the field goal, it's easy to go back and say we should have gone for it. But I think if you go back, like Pat Narduzzi is the type of guy that's, that's usually like, yeah, let's go for it. I'm going to put it on my defense if we miss it. They're backed up on the one. We've got a short field potentially. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'd have a hard time justifying that at work. You know, do people still hang out at the water cooler on Monday mornings? I, probably not. They hang out at like the Keurig machine. But still, <laughs> if I'm a Pitt fan and I'm talking to my buddies about that at work, I, I have a hard time justifying that thought process absolutely but nonetheless uh pittsburgh goes down to penn state 17 10 they had their chances late but um and then you know appropriately enough if you're going to kick a field goal from the 21 or a 21 yard field goal uh it should doink doink off the upright yeah it deserves to not go in that's a hard angle too man oh come on they were on the left hash come on it is come on let's just look that's the sharpest angle in football that guy never kicks that field goal he never practices that field goal never why would you why would you why would you say, all right, now I'm going to practice a 21-yard field goal from the left hash? Like, nobody does that. You, if you're kicking a field goal that short, it's like it, – it's it's certainly from like from the, the three out because if you get fourth and two from the two, like usually teams are going to go for it. Or it's you – know, it's it's that's just not a field goal that you practice, man. Before, so I'm not making an excuse because he's a kicker and kickers need to do their job. You got one of them, make the field goal. But – that's a, that's a yeah, that's the sharpest field goal that you're, sharpest angle. It, that it sounds have. like excuse making. Uh, judges, can we check with the judges over here? Can That'll you, be an excuse. Yeah, that, that confirmed. Yes, confirmed. Uh, the call on the field stands, and uh, yeah, that's it's not a, an excuse. That's, that's excuse like you got to make the field goal. The, it's really an excuse for, or, or it's really an indictment on the coaching. I think, like, you know, I just, well, I, I I don't understand. I don't understand. Why in that situation coaches are not more aggressive? You're so like that is the most conservative call you can make just about in football. Agreed. Fourth and one on the one at your opponent at at your big rival's place, and you're going to try and kick a field goal because you need two scores to win the football game, and you're trying to win football games. I don't I don't like it, man. The the other thing too, you know, again, just to put it in context, uh, Pitt Penn State that's a rivalry that has not been renewed. Beyond what we saw Saturday. That's one of those in-state matchups. So they've been playing for 100 years. And there is no next game scheduled in the rivalry. It has not been renewed. It has not been made to be a priority or an appointment 
uh, for at least on the Penn State side. I've heard about Pitt saying, look, we've sent him a contract. They just won't send it back. So Yeah, Pitt's been kind of trolling him, saying, hey, it's it's on you guys. It's all on you. Well, you know, maybe you just line up and try to punch it in from three three feet out. But what do I know? I, I'm just a guy talking. I, look, <laughs> if you wanted that contract signed, Beating them in the last one that you got on the schedule is Would probably a good. Yeah. It probably a good way to stimulate some conversation around playing that game again. Roddy Jones, before we pivot and take a look at a just mouthwatering slate of games coming up for Week Four, any I'll give you the last word here. Anything else stand out uh, from what you saw over the weekend? Yeah, I think the performance of Florida uh, down the stretch stood out, and I am not a believer in the Gators. I think I've been fairly. Uh, fairly honest about that the entire season even when they beat Miami early in the year for them to come back uh from what was it 11 down I think they were down 21 to 10 uh when the Felipe Franks injury happened do I have that right uh and then Kyle Trask brings them back down the stretch I mean that that for that to happen I was impressed I was impressed I think some of it's probably uh uh is probably Kentucky getting a little tight I mean they throw a pick they miss a they miss a field goal down the stretch but uh, but I was impressed by Florida. A little bit of grit from the Gators. So uh, they're going to get housed in the East uh, when they play the. Well, hang on, hang on. Everybody's going to get housed in the East when they play Georgia. That's that's not fair. I mean, we all know that Georgia's the cream of the crop in the East. But here's the thing: Florida scored 19 points in the fourth quarter with a backup quarterback. Yeah. Now, granted, the Kentucky you 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 mentioned them getting tight. That's probably putting it mildly. I is mean, it? Kentucky yeah. is. Just, I mean, borderline meltdowns against Florida the last couple of years. Now, yes, they 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 broke the streak. They beat them in the swamp last year. True story. You, you, you know, you know what hap- You know what you can say now to the to the breaking of the streak last year. Now that they tightened up. Now that they looked like it was back to normal. You say it, it, this is your favorite one. Neat. Yeah, I, you I got your one. It's just it's amazing how Kentucky loses games to Florida. At home, you mentioned the missed field goal, but and look, Kentucky's back. They're down to their backup quarterback for the rest of the year. They got Sawyer Smith, who I think is a Troy transfer. Um, uh, that sounds right. Yep, he's been yep. around for a while. But uh, regardless, Kyle Trask, it's his team because I, I believe I read this, but Felipe Franks is not expected to return for the season. That was a pretty gruesome injury, um, and you could tell that the team kind of rallied around uh, Trask once Felipe went down but you know looking at the schedule and I had to laugh when I saw this because you know TV makes the rules for those that you know Roddy works in TV so he knows this but for the uninitiated when the schedules come out at the beginning of the season or you know in the summer whenever they're released kick times usually start to kind of you know trickle through for the first couple of Saturdays the first couple of weeks usually get to about Week three, maybe week four on the schedule where kick times are announced. And then from the rest of the way, TV just kind of sits back and says, "Eh, we're going to see who takes care of business and then we'll decide for the next week how we want to, you know, kind of line up these games. Well, Kentucky and uh, or I should say Florida and Tennessee coming up this week, you know, in the past, that's been CBS, 330, maybe a primetime game on ESPN this week. Tennessee at Florida, noon Eastern. No, thank you. Nobody like nobody wants that game. Well, hold on. I, I think, yeah. So, so it was never going to be on CBS because Georgia plays Notre Dame this week. So that one was always going to be the CBS game, and CBS has moved that game to to the nighttime slate to uh, to to capitalize on the fact that they have got a game that everybody wants to see. That's going to end up being pretty ugly. Let's be honest. I dare I say, and we'll talk about this, that might be the highest rated regular season game of the year, Notre Dame, Georgia, because uh, it's Notre Dame. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. It's going to be tough to beat the week zero game because there was no other game on TV. So um, it, it's going to, and that, and that game did a, did a massive number. But, but yeah, it, it very well could be because it's Notre Dame, because it's Georgia, because I don't think Notre Dame's ever been to Athens. Uh, it's going to be one of those sites in college football that you absolutely love, and we don't get that much anymore. Home, a, 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 a perennial power, a college football blue blood going to another college football blue blood, seeing the Golden Dome between the hedges. That's something that we don't really that we don't get across college football on a regular basis. Um, the 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 whole Florida Tennessee thing. I mean, the the games on ESPN, 
and and if you want a time slot, you're not going to be the primetime ESPN or ABC game. That 12 o'clock slot's not a bad one. You get game day right before it. It leads right into the game. That's not a bad slot. So, yeah, you can sort of uh, fashaw the 12 o'clock start. But, that, like, the only reason they're at 12 is because Florida's a top top 10 team. Uh, and that's not a bad slot to have. So There's some pretty tasty noon games. You want to you go ahead and run through what we got coming up week four? Sure. Let's do it. I'll tell you what. We'll tease it. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll run through some of the week four slate. The, the noon games, honestly, like I'm not just saying this. I'm not just trolling Tennessee or Florida fans. The noon slate's really good. We'll talk about it after this. This is Stephen Hartzell, host of the College Football Blitz. Heard every Saturday from noon until midnight Eastern on TuneIn.com and the TuneIn app. When there's a big play, a momentum change, and if that possible upset is happening, not only will we let you know, you'll hear the scores as they happen live. Catch all the action as we count you down to the college football playoff. It's the College Football Blitz. Saturdays, noon until midnight Eastern on the College Sports Now channel on TuneIn.com and the TuneIn app. Alongside the ACC Network's Roddy Jones, I'm Stephen Hartzell. Glad you're with us. We're going to talk about a little Week Four action on the on the slate here. Before we do, Roddy, where is uh, where's the ACC Network sending you for Week Four? We are uh, in the Carrier Dome for Syracuse, who welcomes Western Michigan. Ooh. So, oh, hang on a second. On, I mean, no, no, no. That wasn't on my board. Let me just make sure I have this right. Uh, Western Michigan at Syracuse. The linesmakers have that as a pretty competitive game. I would imagine so. Two I would and one Broncos at one and two Orange. Cuse yeah. a six-point favorite at yeah. home. I mean, look, it, it, this, is the, this is the game where you look and you say, okay, now we're going to judge who Tommy DeVito is. Because Maryland got out of hand. Clemson, obviously, is Clemson. You've got four weeks under your belt, so so the Liberty game is the first week of the year. Like you can you can see why the performances were what they were in each of those three games. This one's the one where if Tommy DeVito is going to be good, you can start to make some proclamations on what he is in this game. I already know what Tommy DeVito is. He Come ain't on, it. Man. He Fresh. ain't it. We mentioned it earlier. That. He, he he's that. just he ain't it. Bro, All you're right. being a little hard on Tommy DeVito. I'm. You're right. I am. Uh, I'm looking at the Saturday slate. And the, at noon, Eastern time, you've got some really good football teams playing. There's okay. only one really good game. Number 11, Michigan at number 13, Wisconsin. That's a noon kick on Fox. Do you want to guess the line for that game, Roddy Jones? Uh, let's, I'm guessing Wisconsin's favored by uh, probably three. Three, three and a half? Three points. Okay. Badgers favored by three, and uh, they do not anticipate that there's going to be a ton of offense in this game either. What's the over-under? You want to guess? Uh, it's more fun when you guess. 30. Oh, come on. It's not that low. Well, th- then take the under. That's reckless. The over-under in this game is 48 points. Take the under. Everybody who's in the, within the sound of my voice, take the under. Good Lord, take the under. Is that, because, is, is that because you don't believe in what Michigan's bringing to the table offensively? 100%. Because you know what Wisconsin's going to do. They're going to run the football. Look, it's going to be a short game. Here's, here's the reason you take the under. It's going to be a short game, low possession. Wisconsin's going to win the ball, going to run the ball constantly. And if Michigan's smart, they'll do the same. Um, I, I don't, I don't believe, I don't know if this Michigan offense is going to have enough firepower, um, because uh, obviously they struggled against army. They played middle Tennessee. This is the first real test that they've had. Um, uh, if I'm not mistaken, this Wisconsin football team has not given up a touchdown yet this year. That is correct. They have not let a point score. Now they've played USF and central Michigan, but two, two FBS programs and they haven't allowed a point. Not a single one. Not a single one. They are the lowest scoring defense in the entire country, quite obviously. Take the, <laughs> take the under. Uh, by the way, I know your favorite thing is when I reference FPI. FPI loves Wisconsin in this game. What is the FPI again? <laughs> Lord. It's uh, ESPN's Football Power Index. It takes the... Uh, it, it's a, it's basically a way to try and see what the odds are of winning the game. Uh, FPI runs thousands of simulations <laughs> of this game and gives you a percentage of time each team wins. 70% of the time when they have run these simulations, uh, Wisconsin has won. Roddy, and it's like 10,000 simulations of the game. Roddy explains this to you every week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Server's laughing at you, not at me. He's no, laughing I'm laughing at you. at you, man. No, he's no, laughing not. at you. No, he's not. 
He's laughing at and you. And it's at Camp Randall. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a great. It's going to be a great environment. Um, I don't know. I'd be worried if I was Michigan. Wisconsin's good, man. Sixty percent of the time, it works every time. FPI. That's what I think of. It's just numbers. Yes, yeah, it is. So, it's so, math. So, it, so is your spread. You know, what's what's the line on the game? Uh, that's how that's how we handicap these things. Uh, so, South Carolina, Alabama, like they got that one right on. What do you mean? Well, South Carolina scored at the very end to put it right on the number. Oh no! That, look, I'm not like, down. These, these numbers not, are right. Exactly. I'm not downplaying the numbers, but. Just because there's a number that you understand and a number that you don't doesn't mean the two don't carry as much weight. FPI gets it right a lot and a lot more than it gets it wrong. Mm. Neat. Uh, Lord. Here, here's the thing. Can't wait till we have this conversation again next week. Here's the thing. Uh, Wisconsin has given the ball to Jonathan Taylor 35 times this season. He's been very efficient in those 35 carries. My, for the season, that's through two games. My question is, do you think he touches the ball 35 times in the Michigan game alone? Uh, it's very possible. I mean, the dude is fresh. He didn't get touched in the South Florida game. I don't know about the uh, about the Central Michigan game, but uh, but he did not get touched in that South Florida game. So he, he might, he, and he's good enough to put the team on his back. You know, we haven't talked Heisman at all because it's early in the season, and if we do, we have to mention Joe Burrow's name, which I try and stay away from talking about LSU quarterbacks in a good way because it never comes back, never comes back well for me. Like it never, I always get burned on LSU quarterback being good. But uh, this is the type of game, Nooner on Fox, big situation, top twenty-five, top fifteen matchup. Uh, this is a Heisman moment type situation for Jonathan Taylor early in the season. Just saying. Uh, Joe Burrow's also got a Heisman moment at noon on Saturday when he visits the Music City to play Vanderbilt. Dude, Joe Burrow's been really good this year. I know he's been really good, and here's the thing. If you're if you're lining up quarterback numbers, you got Burrow, you got Tua, you got Trevor, obviously you got Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma, who I believe we looked at this earlier uh, before the show started, Roddy. He is the odds-on favorite right now, today, this very moment. It's Jalen Hurts. The difference, Are you surprised? No, I'm not surprised okay, because Because the Oklahoma quarterback wins it every year. Yes, we, we know you've already ended the voting here because you're, you're just going to hand it to Jalen Hurts. My point, though, is that Joe Burrow has something those other quarterbacks don't have, which is a primetime road game win. Yep. He's got a moment yep. uh, in that Texas game. I mean, Alabama's looked really good, but, I mean, granted, I mean, come on, you've played Duke. You've played South Carolina. Yep. Clemson, by the way, I mean, Trevor's numbers aren't, fantastic yet he's thrown he's thrown some bad picks let's just say that he's he's thrown some bad ones but yeah he has he has not been as sharp as the as the uh as the other guys um but who cares that clemson team is the best team in the country yeah, those wide receivers are freaks all they're of them. so good yeah it's, oh it's, by the way amari rogers who tore his acl six months ago yeah how wh- what is just that outran about? the entire so awesome. syracuse secondary yeah, what is that about that's so awesome. I, it's I mean, incredible we talked that's... about this on on friday with uh with felder from uh when we had michael felder on from stadium tv and he's like look what what he has done to get back on the field in to your point six months unreal it's it's superhuman stuff man it's, it's crazy uh, so looking at the noon slate, number two, Alabama plays Southern Miss. That's going to be a blowout. Number four, LSU's at Vanderbilt. That's going to be a blowout. We were joking about Tennessee and number nine, Florida, down in Gainesville. That will likely be a blowout as well. So you've got Michigan, Wisconsin at noon. That's going to be thoroughly entertaining. Newly ranked Cal at Ole Miss. That's a noon game. That's going to be a 9 a.m. local, or I guess it's 11 no, a.m. local Oxford, kick. Yeah. but. Yeah. Still, 9 a.m. body clock. That's, for Cal, that's for, early for, for those West Coast guys. That's going to be interesting. But if you have not watched Cal play defense, you, you need to check it out. Like it, these guys are headhunters back there in that defensive secondary. It's a lot of fun to watch. Oh, miss on a two game win streak, by the way. Good for them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what to do with that. Good it, was for them. Clo- it was close, though. They almost weren't. Uh, who was it? Southeastern Louisiana? Yeah. Sela? Yeah. Is that who it was? Yeah, that that, that was a one-score game late in the fourth. Directional Louisiana. So is Arkansas-Colorado State over the weekend, by the way. If we, if we want to throw shots at the bottom third of the SEC, we can do that. 
No, I don't want to do that. Arkansas, yeah, we know, but that's that's one of your go tos, Roddy. Uh, we'll we'll, sa- we'll save that for no, no, no. Week. I throw the shot. I throw sh- I throw the shots at the middle and the top of the SEC. I don't throw them at the bottom. Oh, okay. because it that speaks for itself. Okay, well, let's talk about uh, the top of the SEC West. Maybe number eight Auburn at number seventeen Texas A and M three thirty kick at Kyle Field. Aggies here are favored at home by four. But, uh, you know, look, everybody's favored. Everybody gets points when they're playing on their home field. This is going to be a fascinating game because I, I need to see it from Auburn. I know they beat Oregon in in Arlington. But in fairness, Bo Nix was pretty subpar for the first three quarters of that game. And Auburn can't come out and do that for three quarters against Texas A&M. But that's going to be a fun one. Yeah, you know, you you, you kind of downplay the win against Oregon. Um, that Oregon offensive line is going to be better than the is better than the offensive line that they're going to see on Saturday with Texas A and M. Uh, there's a lot that the the quarterback that they faced against with Oregon is better than the quarterback than they're going to see against Texas A and M. Uh, there's parts of that defense that are better than what they're going to see with Texas A and M on Saturday. So. That Oregon win, yeah, it's fun to poke fun at the Pac-12, and believe me, I'll be first in line, but that's a good win against Oregon, and this is a good football team at Auburn. Now, the question is, can you do it in one of the most hostile environments in the country, down in College Station, and can you win the type of game that Clemson won when they played Texas A&M? A sort of grind it out, not necessarily super pretty, make plays when you have opportunities type game. Because Texas A&M, I think, is going to take the approach, all right, freshman quarterback, you're going to have to beat us. So can you grind it out just enough for Bo Nix to be able to hit some shots down the field? But if I'm Texas A&M, I like Auburn in this game because that defensive line for Auburn is as good as there is. And when the last time they faced a defensive line, last time Texas A&M faced a defensive line that is talent-wise close to as good as, uh, as this Auburn team, that was Clemson, and it did not go well. It did not go well for that Texas A&M offensive line. Uh, Derek Brown, day-to-day, chest contusion. Does that scare you? Does that do anything for you? No, he'll be fine. He'll play. Okay. All right. Well, so is that an official Rod Stradamus pick? Auburn winning straight up at Texas A&M? Uh, uh, yes. Rod Stradamus yeah. has spoken. Yeah. Uh, we're going to yeah. keep track of that. We're going to see how that goes. It's gone well so far, I think. Of course, I don't remember what from week to week what I said. Yeah, that that because that, Rod Stradamus just does what he does. Those are empty promises. Um, <laughs> one of the intriguing games at night. It's gonna not gonna it's not gonna get nearly as much attention as Notre Dame Georgia, but Oklahoma State at Texas. I don't know how much you've watched of the Pokes this year. Not very much. Okay. Well, look, they're always potent on offense, right? They always have been under Mike Gundy, but uh, Chuba Hubbard, great name. This kid is uh, th- this kid is good. Uh, the, the tailback for Oklahoma State is yeah. is, is going to have his hands full against this Texas defense. But you know, Oklahoma State's had the better of Texas the last couple of years. This is going to be a fun game when the when the Cowboys visit Austin. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I. I, I honestly. Um, it, Oklahoma State didn't play anybody, so so I don't know how good they are. You know, like yeah, they've looked good. They beat Oregon State. That's that's a heck of a win there. Uh, McNeese State and Tulsa. So I, I, I don't know. I, I like Texas in the game because I, I think Texas is a really good football team. There's they, If you go back to that LSU game, a play here, a play there, and that game certainly goes differently. Uh, Oklahoma State, you kind of have to go off what you saw, what you've seen in the mental side of it that they've had over the last few years. As you said, they've, they've had gotten the better of, of Texas. Uh, early in these, uh, or, or sorry, over the past couple of years. So, um, if if Oklahoma State come out comes out and plays well, then it's a statement in the Big Twelve because up to this point, I don't think we really know what we're getting out of Oklahoma State. I, I know what I'm getting with Oklahoma State. More Chuba, mean? please. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, watch this guy on Saturday night. You'll get home. Yeah. And, you'll no, get home from Syracuse, Western Michigan, in plenty of time, Roddy. I know, I know that he's good, and <laughs> no, I won't. But, yeah, yeah, I know this guy's really good. Uh, you, you underestimate how easy it is to get out of Syracuse on a Saturday night. Are you spending the night in I am not. In no, the I'm, make, I'm making it back, but uh, that's going to require a drive down to Ithaca to catch a flight through Detroit back to Atlanta. Yeah, he's going through that West Durham travel agency again. That's unbelievable, man. Yeah. 
You you already know with Wes on this crew on the crew, he's got all the routes. Well, that's because he has somewhere he needs to be for Sunday. It's called a Falcons loss. So that's you know he's got to make sure that he's where he needs to be in ample time. This ain't the week, bro. This ain't the week. This ain't the week to come with the Falcons joke because we got that dub. Barely. So. I mean, barely, Roddy. Every game is the same with these guys. You haven't take realized a lot of, that by now? I'll, I'll take a lot of barely wins and a lot of blowout losses. Okay. Uh, speaking of blowout losses, number seven, Notre Dame at number three, Georgia. Under the lights, between the hedges. Roddy, I know you are a proud Georgia Tech alum, so it's tough for you to say anything positive about the Bulldogs. I, I understand that just by nature. That's how you're wired. But I have a hard time seeing how Notre Dame keeps this thing competitive Saturday night. What say you? Uh, if they stop the run, then they can keep it competitive. But oh, that's okay. Not well, that yeah, that uh, should be so, easy so, against tailback you. Yeah, yeah that, exactly. that should be easy. So, um, you know, wait. For, so the other thing is, uh, Georgia was not named tailback you. They weren't even in the top ten uh, in in the stuff that came out in the off season. So, you can kind of check that a little bit. Hang on. What, why, but, uh, why? Why is? What does that mean? I, I don't know what that means. You don't think so you Georgia's the, got elite you tailbacks? Didn't see the list, you didn't see the list in the offseason over the last 20 years who had claimed all these, you know, position group U's. No, Georgia, I don't read that trash. Not on Did the, the FBI put that out? Who put that out? Uh, no, it was an ESPN thing, but Georgia not on the top 10. That's probably a mistake, don't you think? Yeah, but, no. Over 20 no. years, too? Like, 20 Clemson years, was 3-8 yeah. and eight 20 years ago. Like, who cares? Well, you gotta have the you gotta give these guys an opportunity to get drafted, get in the NFL, and then have NFL careers too, Cerber. So we're we're not just going off what they did in college. If you're gonna have claim to something, something you, they have to go on and have some success after they leave you as well, which is why NC State fans are so upset that they weren't quarterback you, because who's got the most starting quarterbacks in the NFL right now? NC State. Is that true? That is true. Look it up. How many starting quarterbacks do they have? They got Russell Wilson. Eh. They got Philip Rivers. Oh, they get to He's claim Russell Wilson. Brissett. Got it. <laughs> get to, he graduated from from NC State, so absolutely you get to claim him. Yeah, He's got a degree. Wisconsin, man. It doesn't matter. He got his degree. Where did he get his degree from? He graduated from Wisconsin. Let's, he spent six. He did. He was a one and done at Wisconsin. He he spent as much time as Wisconsin as Zion Williamson did at Duke. Let's and not Duke get sidetracked sure claims here. Him. Let's let's not get sidetracked here. Okay, sorry. I want to talk about Georgia Notre Dame and how did we get there? Oh, tailback you. You took it there. Because you were offended by something I said, which was a pretty obvious statement that Georgia's got really good tailbacks this year and Notre Dame's going to have a hard time stopping them. No, you called them tailback you, and I had to correct you because obviously they're not. It was the definitive list, and they're not. But who that's is fine. tailback you? Uh, I can't remember who was number one. I think it was like, I can't remember. I can't remember. I'll look it up about. while you talk. Tell me how Notre Dame can keep this game close. Uh, if they stop the run, that's the, that's the thing. Uh, if, if they're able to stop, DeAndre Swift and and that Georgia offensive line from pushing them around, then then yeah, they can keep it close because from a from a, a wide receiver standpoint, they've had a couple of guys step up, but but these guys have not been tested uh, like they will be against against Notre Dame. So so yeah, they can keep it close. Now I don't think they can do that. I think Jake Fromm's one of the best quarterbacks in the in the entire country. I think that um, this running game and this offensive line is so good that they're going to push everybody around, and, and especially this week against Notre Dame. Uh, and I think you know, DeAndre Swift, Zamir White, um, and, and James Cook, when he gets his touches, just the, the plethora of running backs that they have, these guys are going to run roughshod over them. And, and then defensively as well. I mean, Georgia's been, been really solid, albeit uh, against inferior competition. So... I don't see it being particularly close, um, but I do want to give Georgia a shout out. And this is something that I don't typically do, obviously. Uh, but the the show that they had last week, uh, the showing that they had, pinking out the stadium with the entire uh, fan base or a large selection of the fan base, large swath, wearing pink in honor of, of Wendy Anderson, uh, the Arkansas State head coach, Blake Anderson's wife, was one of the best scenes in college football. It's what college football is all about. So good for you, Georgia. Uh, good for you fans of the University of Georgia spreading the word and actually wearing pink uh, in support of, of Blake Anderson and, and, and the loss that he suffered with Wendy Anderson succumbing to breast cancer. So so great job by them, and I think they get a big win against Notre Dame on Saturday. Yeah, that, that was a classy move with the, uh, with, the, with the impromptu pink out there. Uh, by the way, I have found a list, and it's on ESPNU. The or, list. Or, sorry, let me clarify. I have found a list of 
quarterback you, running back you, and this was published by ESPN during the summer. So yep. I'm assuming this is what you were referencing. Absolutely. Okay. It's it's trash. I mean, tailback you, according to ESPN, is hang on a second. I want to make sure I have this right. Alabama. Yep. Mark Ingram, Derrick Henry, Sean Alexander are their notables. Um, here's the thing. What's the thing there? Because you got two Heisman Trophy winners. Go, go find me two Heisman Trophy winners. If the whole thing is about NFL success, one of those guys made the cover of Madden. But I mean, he's not okay. going into Canton anytime soon. Obviously, you didn't read what the metrics were. It is not all about NFL success. It's about uh, it's it's weighted where an All American nod is higher than an All SEC nod. Heisman Trophy matters. NFL does matter. And, but it's approximate value over the first few seasons in the NFL. So you have to get in the NFL. You have to have a couple years. Come on, man. It's a, it's a total list of who's going to be the guy. And what you do in college certainly matters. What you do in the NFL matters. But it's all together. So you win a couple Heismans. You got a couple Heisman Trophy winners at running back. Nobody else is doing that. So you get running back you. Both of those guys, first-round picks. All three of them. First-round picks, by the way. Nick Chubb, not a first-round pick. Sorry. He was literally the first pick of the second round. Uh, here's what, the thing. Was he a first-round pick? Does he, he get that fifth-year option? Arkansas no, is on this list, and the three running backs listed for Arkansas literally all played for Houston Nutt at the same time. Darren McFadden, Felix Jones, and Peyton Hillis. Like, I get it. Like, folks, I understand. This comes out in July for a reason. It gives people something to talk about. Their heads explode. They get Twitter mentions. Look. I get it. But this list from ESPN. Trash. We can, we, can, we, can, we can revisit this later on, uh, but I see an All-American who was top five in the Heisman Trophy voting in Darren McFadden, Felix Jones, who I believe was a first-round pick, Peyton Hillis, who first four years in the NFL, as good as any. Okay, I'm just saying. Like, you can, you can poo-poo on the list all you want, but the list has things behind it where you're like, yeah, I can see that. Most college students don't know who these guys are. That they're that's referencing. That's fair. That's it's because it's a it's over the last. I think it's a BCS era since the beginning of the BCS era. So uh, for those kids who don't know who these people are, go back, get in your books, study your history, and see the greats of the past. <laughs> By the way, Peyton Hillis. Uh, that if you want to win some bar trivia, that's a guy who most people, speaking of the kids, probably don't remember. Grace the cover of a Madden video game, but he did. That happened. Beat out Cam Newton, right? When he was a Cleveland Brown, Peyton Hillis made the cover. Oh uh, no, he'd have been he'd have been before Cam, right? Yeah, before Cam. So he's speaking we, to the kids here. Cerber's like, "What? Cam? Are we positive? I seem to remember that Peyton Hillis got it was like a voter system, and yeah, Browns fans went nuts and trolled. He beat out. Okay, if it wasn't Cam, it was somebody else of that. Hey, you know, Cam Newton and I have the same number of wins in the NFL this season. Did you know that? Zero. He's not a good quarterback anymore. I'm just uh, saying. So, uh, getting us back on track, do you think you think Notre Dame – you don't think Notre Dame keeps this thing close, do you? I think Georgia wins this game by three touchdowns, if not okay. more. Yes. Yeah. I like Ian so, Book. So, He's a so sneaky here's your, good athlete, but this this game gets out of hand. Yeah. Here's your, here's your, uh, here's your little FPI shout-out again. Oh, uh, Georgia – I'm sorry. FPI feels the same way – about Wisconsin over Michigan as it does about Georgia over Notre Dame. So if you want to put that in context, uh, there you go. Who created the FPI? Can we have them on our show? Uh, it's smart people at ESPN. I don't know. Can don't we? Know. I There's mean, one person. I mean, Roddy, you are an ESPN employee. Can you make a call and be like, "Hey, man, who created FPI?" I, I want to talk to the. I want to talk to the math nerd team. hanging out with a TI eighty five in his office who created this thing. It's, it's I mean, Roddy, you went to Georgia Tech. You can relate. You can talk yeah. the language. Yeah, obviously. I can identify with FPI. I can identify. Do you want me to read you the description of it? I'm just going to pull this up every week. Okay, you ready? Uh, college football power index is a measure of team strength that is meant to be the best predictor of a team's performance going forward for the rest of the season. FPI represents how many points above or below average a team is. Projected results are based on 10,000 simulations of the rest of the season using FPI results to date and the remaining schedule. Ratings, projections updated daily. So if you want to know who the best team is per FPI, go ahead. I don't have up. that ESPN Plus it's subscription there. like you do, man. I don't get that stuff for free. Nah, man. All you got to do is Google ESPN FPI, and it takes you right to it. Alabama, by the way, is the best team in the country per FPI. Who's the worst? Is it UMass? Uh, the worst? UMass. <laughs> is it really? <laughs> yeah, it is. 
Yeah, it is. Yeah. I, I heard this on a podcast the other day, but it, it, it is worth mentioning here on the show. Uh, UMass is the new UConn. Oof. Like, they are, they struggle. I'm going to try and figure it out, but I'm going to let you guess who the worst Power 5 team is in FPI. Ooh, <laughs> now, we're getting, now we're getting into the good stuff. It's not Syracuse, is it? I'm kidding. It is, it is not. Is you, it, you're actually going to be surprised based on their result uh, over the weekend. Is it Lovey Smith and them boys? It is not. Arkansas? Nope. Kansas. Oh, no respect. Nah, they need to update that. <laughs> no respect. Man, it's Uncle updated Les daily. It's one. updated daily. Come on. It's FBI or FPI? P? FPI. Frauds. Yeah. This is, this is, this is, this, this needs to get revisited. Oh, uh, Roddy, enjoy uh, central New York. They, they do have some good food up there. Um, uh, there's a pasta, nice there's a pasta restaurant, uh, downtown. That's pretty legit. Pasta. It's high carbs, high carbs with the pasta. You don't carb load before oh, a big game. All about it, man. Uh, I mean, I, I, you'll burn it off, man. You're an athlete. You're fine. Don't worry about yeah, it. Okay. Thanks, man. Uh, Appreciate enjoy it. yourself. Uh, Western Michigan and Syracuse noon Eastern Saturday, ACC network, Roddy Jones alongside West Durham. Get you some of that. Uh, Roddy, get out of here, man. We'll talk to you next week. All right, man. We are back on Thursday. We got Wayne Cook, who, oh boy, Wayne, I'm sorry, man. If you want to take a break from the show for a week or two, I, I totally understand. Wayne Cook, former UCLA quarterback, will be with us to talk about life um, when you're 0-3. His <laughs> conference has six teams ranked in the top 25. I know. I, I, know, I, know, I know his Bruins are struggling, but Wayne, what'd you expect, man? I mean, come on. Man. I mean, we... <laughs> Your boy, your boy came to work today a day after, a couple of days after his team went down to a mediocre FCS team. At least it hasn't happened to you, Wayne. At least it's looking up. It's a good point. We should send that to Wayne as like an audiogram. Like yeah, it could be worse. There. You could have lost to the Dell. You, you could have lost to the Citadel. Yeah. You could have. It's all about perspective, Roddy Jones. Yep. Get out of mm-hmm. here, man. Thanks to Cerber. Thanks to Roddy. On behalf of those guys, I'm Stephen Hartzell. At CS Now Tweets. Check us out on the Twitter. Drop us a line. Subscribe, rate, follow the podcast, check us out. We'll talk to you guys Thursday. So long. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.